0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for The Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Welcome back into The Doctor's Lounge. Happy Thursday, October 5th. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Every week, either myself or my co-host, Dr. Scott, come to you with the information that doctors are talking about in doctors' lounges all across the United States. We try to present to you information that is going to be important for you and your family regarding health care and how it ties into what's going on around us in the world, we try to uh, explain to you what you need to do to protect yourself and your family and give you some direction about what to do, some guidance about what you can do for yourself and for everyone else in terms of advocating for healthcare as we do. The show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. This is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. We are working tirelessly to try to help fix the healthcare system and to uphold the values that our foundation is based on, which is the doctor-patient relationship and healthcare freedom for all Americans. So, Please go to our website. I'll talk more about that later in the show, so stick with me because we are going to give a little sneak preview about the doc, the uh, direct primary care conference that has uh, is now taking shape in for March 2024. So there's plenty of lead time, and I'll. Uh, tease that a little bit more toward the end of the show so stay with us. Well, the world's a mess, isn't it? It's just it it never it never ceases to amaze me what is is going to happen next. We've got the government which is in disarray. We've got the largest healthcare strike in American history, across the country, with employees at Kaiser, and by the way, I support that strike. I'm, you know, not, I, I don't take the side of labor and I don't take the side of unions, but in this case, this is a righteous strike because these hot this hospital system, the Kaiser system. Is not unlike any of these other large healthcare systems. They are greedy profiteers that are hurting the healthcare system by jacking up prices, by um, by raping patients financially and by taking advantage of their employees and they pay themselves handsomely, the ones who are at the top of these systems and the system lives and breathes and survives on the work of all of the professionals. We're not talking about people coming across the border who are unskilled and who are willing to work for less than minimum wage. We're talking about People who are professionals, pharmacists, and and anesthetists, and other people who are highly trained professionals, who are not being paid according to what they should be paid by this system and every other system in the country, pretty much. So, um, I I view this as a uh, as the first shot across the bow against some of these large hospital systems, and I think that the systems need to take notice. But this is all background noise. Everything that we see every single day is responsible for taking our eye off the ball, taking our attention away from things that we should be focused on. What are we talking about among ourselves and on this radio show and in other talk shows in newspapers? Chaos. We're focused on all the chaos that surrounds us that that is enveloping us every single day. And there's no end in sight. It's just it's it's overwhelming, isn't it? We're paying attention to the things that are important for sure. These things are important things, but it's all noise. It's background noise, and it's designed to divert our attention away from things that we should be focused on, to take our eye off the ball. Everyone knows this. This political chaos, as I've said, we have the non-existent border with illegal aliens coming across our country in record numbers. We've got crime out of control. You know it's out of control when a sitting U.S. congressman gets hijacked Gets carjacked at gunpoint in our nation's capital. You know the definition of a conservative is a is a liberal who's been mugged, and I think that what's it going to take for people to wake up and realize what's happening is is basically Gotham City. It's it's the it, it's it's the world gone gone mad. What else are we talking about? We're talking about the economic troubles. We're talking about our economy in in freefall despite the fact that Joe Biden acts like Nero when Rome is burning trying to tell us that everything is so great and Bidenomics is working. Well, it's not. Go to the store and you can't buy things for the the nearly the same price that you were able to buy even one year ago, let alone five years ago. We went to the store yesterday to buy some lamb chops, a package of lamb chops. And a couple of years ago, that package of lamb chops cost $13. Yesterday, it was $25. That's just one of so many things that... Is wrong with our economy right now? We are in free fall. What else do we talk about? We talk about all the international threats, and it's it's one after another. Um, You know, I can I can tick it off in every in every corner of the world where the U.S. is involved. We are losing ground because we have no leadership. And the rogue nations around the world see this, and they are taking advantage of us. The U.S. has been the source of strength and stability for the world, for the world order since World War II. That's no longer the case. These are the things that we're talking about. We are presented with polls of all sorts, every single day. These polls instruct us, they guide us, they tell us what Americans are most concerned about. And as a result, it influences our way of thinking about things. You know, people are concerned about the border. People are concerned about the economy. They see these polls and it reinforces the things That are happening around us and it's fuel to the fire. It's, it just, it just is a vicious cycle that makes this, it escalates this. It makes it worse and worse. Nowhere on this list of things that Americans are concerned about are the things that actually affect us, affect our lives every day as Americans. Health care is one of those things. You know, we talk about health care on this show. We focus on health care. We try to tie in what is happening around us and the impact that it has on health care, on your health care, on the future of health care. But we're not interested in that right now because of all the other fires that are going on around us. The education of our children—that's that's in shambles right now. Nobody's really focused on that again because of all of this background noise that has has um, just sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Crime and safety has made it on this list. That's something that affects us every day. But why has it made it on the list? It's made it on the list because we have hit rock bottom. We are at the very tipping point of our society falling apart because we are not safe anymore in any major city in this country. And now it's bleeding into the suburbs and beyond. We've hit rock bottom with that. And so when things hit rock bottom that's when it gets escalated, elevated to a place where you're going to pay attention to it and it makes the list. It would be a real shame if healthcare makes the list because we've hit rock bottom with healthcare. But while you're asleep at the wheel, while everybody is no longer paying attention to that, things are getting worse and worse. We were paying attention at one point in 2008, in 2010, when Obamacare was being talked about daily on every radio show in the country. We talked about it in 2016 in the presidential elections, and even in 2020. Nobody's talking about it today. Why is that? Well, it's because there are other fires around us that need to be put out lest the house burns down. And it's burning down, folks. We're no better on this show than they are in mainstream media or in the newspapers or on talk radio shows around the country. I've been distracted by this just like you have. These issues are pulling my attention away from my focus on health care and the healthcare system and the problems facing it. And the way things seem to be getting worse as time goes by, we're eventually gonna have to focus on health care more and more because it's going to affect every single individual. What are the things we talk about on this show that tie healthcare to societal stuff that's happening? We talk about transgender, transgenderism, and wokeness. We spend a lot of time on this show talking about COVID and the massive COVID misinformation scam And all that's happened as a result of the pandemic and the blowback and the vaccinations and the masking and everything else. We spend our time on this show talking about diversity and equity and inclusion, DEI in healthcare, and how this entire way of thinking is dragging healthcare down and ruining it. We spend time discussing the deterioration of the medical education system. And why is this? Because of equity and inclusion and diversity and political correctness. And shame on us. We should not get distracted and fall into this trap. But it's difficult to avoid these subjects. It's hard to talk about something that is as important as it can be, as important as anything is, but is not a raging fire. It's just a little smoldering, little kindling of of sparks right now, but it'll get there. I promise you it's going to be an inferno if we don't pay attention to these things, and if we allow inertia to take its place and allow health care to just travel down the road that already is going in. Now, there are people in Washington who are trying to pay attention. Well, that just got completely blown up a couple of days ago with the Eight rogue Republicans who just decided to throw the Republican Party into chaos and screw everything that has happened in in Washington with regard to every positive positive thing that's happened. And there are positive things that are happening, but these idiots decided that it was better to throw the baby out with the bathwater and. And have a temper tantrum, and go in a different direction. God knows where that's going. But let me just tell you what what has happened right now in in Congress. Before this all went on, there were four different bills that were going through Congress that were dealing with health care that were talking about the things that Docs for Patient Care Foundation doctors were pushing and were making headway on let me let me uh, kind of toot our own horn last week the house ways and means committee passed hr 5688 which was the direct primary care hsa fix after five hours of debate in the House Ways and Means Committee, it went to the floor for more debate and it was passed. This was a bill that Docs for Patient Care doctors have worked on with Congress people since 2018. Things don't happen immediately. Things kind of have their own life when they go through Washington. But this was a gigantic win. What did it do? It allowed people to start using their health saving account dollars to pay the monthly fees for direct primary care. Why was that not happening before? Because the idiots in Washington were claiming that direct primary care, and we've talked about this incessantly on the show, that direct primary care was a healthcare system. It was not a contract or a a an arrangement between a doctor and a patient. As a result of treating it like a health plan, the People could not use their outside HSAs to pay for another health plan. This was absolutely absurd, ridiculous. It took five years to twist arms, to cajole, to present data and make people on both sides of the aisle recognize the the fault the folly of their logic and get them to agree that this was better for the American people, for their health care, for their ability to control their own their own um health care costs. This is blowing up. And it's blowing up because you've got total chaos in Washington. And I don't know what what is going to happen at this point, but the gains that we've made are are the rug is being pulled out from under us. And the um we we when we fail to pay attention to health care and let it flounder. And when there's so much background noise and all these other distractions, that's what's going to suffer first. That's going to be put on the back burner because it's not important. It's not one of the five alarm fires going off. People are hurting and it's getting worse because of our failure to protect patients and to let this dysfunction continue. And it spirals downward and downward as the special interests who control health care and as the um, hospital systems and the insurance companies and everyone else who is making big bucks on the dysfunction continue to rape and pillage us financially and hurt patients. Now, this is not because Obamacare was not stood up properly as many on it in the democrat party would tell us this is a subject that's completely different the obamacare issue is worthy of another conversation another show which i'm not going to get into today what i am going to talk about is our reliance on health care insurance You know, most Americans in this country rely on some form of medical insurance and it gives them peace of mind when they know that they've got medical problems. I'm insured, great, I'm covered. Well, the truth is that too often health insurance hurts patients just as much as it helps them, maybe worse. Instead of serving as a bridge to needed medical care, it becomes a barrier. You know that I like to cite articles that I read in the healthcare news from the, uh, Heartland Institute. And that's, you know, what, what I am paraphrasing. I'm talking about some of the articles that have been in this last month. You know, they, they do a great job of focusing on things in healthcare that you wouldn't find anywhere else. So I, uh, I, um, highly recommend people go to their website to find the healthcare news or subscribe to their newspaper. Um, and it will really help, um, refocus your attention on some of the healthcare things that are going on that, that, uh, you wouldn't ordinarily be hearing about other than on this show. Or in other, um, periodicals like the healthcare news. But getting back to insurance, a recent study that was done by the Kaiser Foundation reported that most insured patients don't even know what their health plan covers. They know they've got insurance, but they know nothing about their health plan. They may know what their copays are or their deductibles are. If that much, but that's pretty much where it stops. Now, follow me with this. If the average, um, employer-based health insurance coverage, an employee who has a family and their, their, their employer covers their health insurance, that health insurance costs about a little north of $21,000 a year. That was back in 2020 when this data was last looked at. Of that $21,000 plus, the worker, the employee, picks up on average about $5,600 towards that. So that comes out of their paychecks every month. That's the deduction that they pay toward their own health care. So, the employer picks up the remainder, about $16,000 a year. Now, if 87% of the insured households don't even satisfy their annual deductible, that means that most people are paying for a majority of their healthcare costs. If you're paying $5,600 towards your health care from your employer and let's just say you have a family deductible of $6,000 you would have to pay almost $12,000 out of your own pocket before your insurance paid a penny and people don't understand that they don't realize that they just say well I've got insurance that's great, I'm covered. So it's really hard for people to understand that they are paying for a large chunk of their health care. And they're paying so much because of all the dysfunction in the system. And w- we could talk about that later on if we've got time. But that's one of the fallacies about insurance. The take-home message is that Insurance is not paying as much as people think. Now, several studies in many major peer-reviewed medical journals, and I'm not sure what that means anymore with peer-reviewed medical journals being what they are in this COVID era, but I, I digress. But several studies have indicated that many insured patients with high deductible health plans don't go see their doctors they delay it or they don't do it at all or they don't get timely care they wait till some some problem has escalated and in one study 38% of adults with deductibles of $1000 or more reported not filling a prescription or not getting needed specialty care we're skipping a recommended test or follow-up. We're not visiting a doctor or a clinic when experiencing a health problem. I have a friend who is on one of those medications that you see advertised on TV all the time for controlling type 2 diabetes. You know, a lot of people are using them for weight management. And because of that, the um, insurance companies are not covering them and they're making people pay out of pocket a fortune. So uh, my friend who, who is falls into this, into this, uh, category of people who have good insurance, but their insurance won't cover it because they've jacked up the price on this can't afford to do it. So she's not taking that medication. This is somebody with a job with a good insurance, smart, educated this is this is happening all over the country. fifty two percent of patients in this particular study reported carrying medical debt on their credit cards. So if their insurance is so good, why do these patients need to carry medical debt on a credit card? Why would patients with good insurance, avoid getting medical care? Ask yourself these questions. This is real problems that we're not talking about today. A recent study conducted by the American Hospital Association, again, uh, truth be told, I'm no fan of the American Hospital Association, but they reported that 62% of insured patients say that someone in that household experienced an insurance-related barrier to treatment over a two-year period. And many people got sicker because of that as a result. And this is because of prior authorizations for treatment or denials of treatment. An insurance company trick, a contrivance, designed to to control their costs and making it more difficult for patients to access care and this is insurance company profiteering at at the root and again these are patients you've experienced this people who have insurance who can't get a test done so what happens? They have to call their doctor and the doctor has to spend hours on the telephone trying to get a approval for a test that should be a no-brainer. Now there are a couple states that are trying to fix this with the passage of legislation that, um, that gives uh, certain providers gold cards which means that if they fulfill certain criteria if they've met certain metrics that the insurance company cannot deny the the tests that they order they can't um, ask for prior authorization for the tests that they order if these doctors who are good citizens who are Doctors who have proven themselves get the gold card. They bypass the insurance company noise. This is the kind of thing that we should be focusing our attention on in legislatures around the country and federally instead of all this other background noise that we are dealing with. David, I think it's time for our hard break right now, so let's do that. and We're going to take that in a minute. I, we're just not ready for it. So... In 2022, the average wait time for getting an appointment with a doctor was 26 days. Why is that? Well, part of it has to do with fewer primary care doctors. You know, doctors don't get paid. They just don't. Primary care doctors are, are making um, far less than your plumber makes. Um and and they can't keep their office open. And so they go, nobody's going into primary care anymore. They're going into specialty care. Now that's changing, it's changing a little bit thanks to direct primary care, Something that you know that we push very hard in the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and on this radio show. But because there are so few doctors out there, there is a backlog to get in to seeing doctors. And this is a a huge issue with insurance companies who have even smaller panels of doctors who are um, able to see the people insured on that plan. We're going to take our break now, and I'll get back to this. I'll reinforce this issue in the second segment of the Doctor's Lounge. Stay with us so you can hear more about our upcoming um, uh, direct primary care conference. In 2009, the membership organization, Docs for Patient Care, was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients Dedicated to fighting for your healthcare freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs the number four patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in the doctor's lounge, and we are talking about the background noise that is responsible for us taking our eye off the ball when it comes to health care. We're talking specifically about insurance, people who are insured who think everything is fine, and it really is not. We're talking about how difficult it is to get into see a primary care doctor if you've got insurance. And that's because there aren't enough primary care doctors to take care of people. And the insurance plans have panels, the closed panels of HMOs. And so you can't go outside that panel. So you've got to wait even longer to see one of those doctors. I have a friend who has two children. And they couldn't get in to see a doctor. Their children are grown-ups. They're in their late 20s or 30s. One of the perks that's still left for doctors like me is to be able to help my friends who can't get in to see doctors. And I can pick up the phone and call one of my friends and say, would you go ahead and take this these patients into your practice? And they'll get in within a week or two. Most people don't have that luxury. They have to wait. And once they do wait for often a month or two or longer to see a doctor, they're in the waiting room for hours because doctors are overbooked. And then they get back to see the doctor and they get a seven-minute visit because they're trying to get through so many patients in a day. So out of frustration, instead of choosing to get their care in with a primary care doctor. They get their primary care at an urgent care center or an emergency room, which is substandard and more expensive. And it comes out of their pocket, as I just explained to you, because they're paying the first um, $12,000 in care. This is somebody with insurance. The insurance plans are further screwing people by their formularies, their drug plans. They control what drugs they will and will not cover. An insurance company will change their formulary based on how much it costs them or how much money they can make, not taking into account which medications are the best ones for patients. How much money they can make depends on the kickbacks that they get from the drug manufacturers, and what they have to pay to the middlemen in this whole scheme, the the pharmacy benefit management companies, who skim money off of that as well. And so they're all in collusion. And at the end of the day, it's the patients that get screwed with the higher prices for drugs that are not covered by their insurance company when they should be. And many times patients are on a drug and they go to get it refilled and they find out that the drug is no longer on their insurance company's pharmacy. And then they're really screwed because they don't know what to do and they can't get to their doctor because they can't get in for two months. This is somebody with insurance. There are many other issues that hurt patients in this current environment. One of the most important that nobody talks about anymore is the out-of-control medical legal system. This is an entire industry that's devoted to sucking money out of the system and putting it into the pockets of greedy ambulance-chasing lawyers. Now some of these claims are justified claims patients do get harmed but our current system does not justly compensate them or reward them and in many time in many cases many of these patients get just a fraction of an award and the re- remainder of it goes into the system that is fueling this the the lawyers and the expert witnesses and and all the rest of the people that are involved in this scam the doctors who are getting sued with frivolous cases would prefer to just shell out $50,000 and be done with it rather than have to defend themselves for a quarter of a million dollars and and come out with a moral victory but lose um, five times as much money, if not more, if things go south and does not go their way. I know we've done that numerous times in my practice. It's disgusting and it just eats me alive, but it's a business decision and this is harming patients. And we're allowing this to happen. Because of this litigious environment, doctors are ordering batteries of tests, which often are not needed. But they're defensive tests, so that a lawyer can't claim that some obscure problem that happened one in a million times wasn't considered. So doctors test for it. And as a result, our system spends over 600 billion dollars a year unnecessarily on these tests and much of this as previously discussed falls squarely on the shoulders of patients who wind up paying for these tests when they were not needed and how about the rising cost of health care because of hospital collusion hospitals are buying up medical practices and they're charging hospital prices for this care they're doing the same by buying up imaging centers and laboratories and specialty practices and they're taking the the specialty labs like the GI lab or the or um, the pulmonary lab that was delivering care outside the system and they are purchasing it and putting it into their hospital healthcare system and charging hospital prices for the same services by the same doctors in the same exact location. This is killing us with regard to prices. And they're, they're, the host- these hospitals are colluding and they're buying up smaller hospitals, swallowing them up, bringing them into their system creating monopoly and charging higher prices. We're allowing this to happen. We're asleep at the wheel while this is going on with all of this other background noise. There are hidden costs that are happening in healthcare because there's a lack of price transparency, despite the fact that hospitals were compelled to disclose this information under the Trump administration. There's also surprise medical billing, which results in costs to patients when they thought that the procedure had already been pre-approved and the insurance was going to cover it. Well, they guessed wrong because a hospital may not um, may have anesthesiologists, for example, in their hospital who were dumped by the health plan and they no longer are covered, whereas every other aspect of the encounter would be covered. The hospitalization, the surgery by the surgeon, but not the anesthesia. And so that could amount to thousands of dollars out of pocket for a patient that they didn't expect to have to pay for because there is these surprise medical bills hidden costs that have not been disclosed. These are people with insurance. This is happening because we're not paying attention. I can go on and on how dysfunctional our healthcare system is and how much patients are being screwed. Everyone recognizes this. Two healthcare economists recently wrote a book entitled, quote, We've Got You Covered. Rebooting American healthcare. End quote. This is, um, uh, I- Einav from Stanford and Amy Finkelstein from MIT. They make a case for ditching the current healthcare insurance system in favor of government financed healthcare. No premiums for insurance for basic coverage. And everyone gets this. This is a book written by healthcare economists that fail to recognize that certain problems exist that make this system so bad, and they think that this is the problem, that it's just insurance. Well, it's not. The authors try to support their plan by pointing out that countries with the best healthcare have a system like this, Austria, Israel, Singapore, Switzerland. What they fail to point out is that all of these countries have something in common: they are small, they are homogeneous, and they all have a social contract with their with their um, uh, citizens. Very high taxes, and they get much covered. Well, the U.S. has become a social welfare state where only 10% of people are paying um, 75% of the taxes. And this system that exists in these countries would not work here because of that unless people are all paying into this. These economists base their plan on three flaws of the US healthcare system. Number one, it's hard to access care. Six out of ten uninsured individuals, they state, are eligible for free or highly subsidized insurance, but they can't manage to enroll. Well, that's not the fault of the system. That's a fault of the poor education of the people who should be able to access our health care system. So that is a a specious argument. The second argument is that health care insurance Doesn't last. 20% of individuals lose their insurance over two years. Now they may be right about this and that would be one of the fixes to healthcare to try to create health insurance that will travel with the patient and make it more like life insurance or car insurance so that you can keep your insurance, you get it at a, You pay into it at a young age when you're healthy, and you continue to pay into it so that when you're older and you need more resources from the healthcare system, you've already built up equity in your healthcare account. That makes sense. What these people are trying to claim is that, well, there's a problem, this is the The insurance for all government-funded is the way to do it. They're wrong. The third claim is that healthcare insurance is inadequate, that unpaid medical debt is greater than all consumer debt combined. Once again, the reason for the medical debt is twofold. Number one, insurance is... Playing games and they don't cover what they're supposed to. There needs to be insurance reform so that it is going to provide for people what they are paying into it and believe that they should be receiving. And second of all, there needs to be, we need to clean up healthcare to tidy it up and make it so that costs come down instead of continuing to go up. Now, How do we do that? Well, there's a number of ways that we do that. We do that with more competition. We do that with eliminating the certificate of need laws, which bar competition. We've talked about this on this show numerous times. Um, There are ways to drive down costs in healthcare, and we're not talking about that. We're listening to the background noise, and it's, it's overwhelming our ability to focus on the real needs that we should be focusing on, the problems that people are having. These two authors contend that there's more than enough money to provide universal coverage for every American that is automatic, free, and basic. So basic means that the care has to be medically necessary and people could upgrade that care if they wished. But who decides what's medically necessary and therein lies the problem. Now, Congressman Pete Sessions from Texas introduced a bill recently with some of these concepts. It's called the Healthcare Fairness Act for All. Once again, what's going on in Washington is going to subvert all the gains that we are making by people who are trying to pay attention to health care. Now, this bill would eliminate all federal tax and spending subsidies for private insurance, with a tax credit, giving every American an equal amount of money towards their health care. And the health plans would then be forced to compete to provide this, quote, basic coverage, and then people could add their own money into this system to cover care that is considered non-basic coverage. Now, there are a number of problems with the um INVED Finkelstein approach and also with the sessions plan. The biggest problem is that patients have no skin in the game. They are not incentivized to be better healthcare consumers. You know, this can be achieved by supporting and expanding health savings accounts, which incentivize patients to shop and to become better consumers. But unfortunately, the Marxists, the leftists, The Democrats in Washington don't want that. They don't want to give you more control. They don't want you to be a better consumer. They want the government to be your daddy. They want you to depend on the government for your health care so that they can say what they will provide and what they will cover, and then it won't matter what kind of consumer you are. Because you'll be waiting for six months for a knee replacement, if you even qualify for that. The economists who wrote this book fail to understand how insurance is different than health care. Insurance does not equal health care. Health care is the contract between a doctor and a patient period, end of story, what Docs for Patient Care Foundation believes and fights for. The solution lies in more doctors providing better care, and what's the best way to achieve this in primary care? Direct primary care, and why is that, because it is better care for the patients It is more predictable for the doctors. They don't have to fight with insurance companies, and they don't have to fight with hospital systems or any other bureaucracy. It is a contract, an agreement, an arrangement between doctors and patients, and we need more and more of that and get back to where healthcare used to be when Patients got better care. People want you to believe that they got worse care in the past and that all of these innovations lead to better care. That is not true. People got better care when their doctors were more engaged with them and they were they were um, spending more time with them and they were more concerned about helping to get them well instead of trying to get them out of their office. Let me um, spend the next couple of minutes talking to you about our upcoming direct primary care conference. So this conference is one that we have um, every, every year we were having this. And it is um, going to be in Orlando, Florida, March 14th to 16th. 2024 now that gives everybody adequate lead time to get to this conference let me say that i know that this this um radio show reaches a lot of people who are not going to have any interest in going to this or have a place coming to this conference but many of the people who do listen to this show are in healthcare and um This conference is going to be like no other conference. It is um, where we're seeing the direct primary care movement grow exponentially. In 2022, there were more than 2,000 direct primary care practices in the U.S. 10 years ago, there were less than 20. This is this is the way of the future. Medical students are learning about this. They're coming out saying, "I want to do this." And they are going into family practice or internal medicine residencies determined to graduate from those those residencies and open up or join a direct primary care practice because it's better. It is better for them and it's better for their patients and you'll learn about this at this conference from the experts from the people who founded this movement and the the the, um, the program is going to be absolutely fantastic and if you sign up now there are a limited number of early bird registrations where you can save money by doing this now while those tickets are still available if you are a um, a uh, a medical student, there are a limited number of free tickets for you as a medical student. You need to go to d4pcfoundation.org or just Google Docs for Patient Care Foundation and it will take you to the conference splash page and you can learn about this. This is going to be absolutely critical if you're a medical student and if you know medical students who might be interested in becoming a a primary care doctor, tell them to go to this site and, and explore this and plan to try to get to this conference. You've got plenty of time to arrange your vacation around this conference. Um, in the past we've not given enough time, not, not enough lead time. Well now you've got plenty of lead time. If you are a individual involved in a um, in a business that would benefit direct primary care doctors um or their patients, you can become a sponsor for this meeting. And there's a place for you to go on this splash page to learn how to do this. I had one of my friends who owns a company, I'm going to pitch his company because it's an awesome company, it's called Genexa, and they make over-the-counter preservative-free medications, Tylenol-containing medications, which parents the in the eighteen to thirty five age group are now gravitating towards because they don't want their kids with uh taking medications with red dye or other preservatives and Genexa is absolutely preservative free and clean and it's perfect and I had my friend come to this meeting and to um be a sponsor and to display at this meeting and he said it was fantastic. So if you're a business and you think you have a a product that would benefit patients in a direct primary care setting, you need to go ahead and explore this website, D4PC Foundation, Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Our direct primary care conference on March fourteenth to sixteenth, twenty twenty four. You will not be sorry. And finally, our our keynote speaker is going to be none other than um, than um, Marty McCarry, and he is awesome. You have read his books, "The Price We Pay," and he's going to be there to sign his books. So you want to be able to listen and see what he has to say. So check that out. Um, and I'll be back with you in two weeks back in the doctor's lounge. And Dr. Scott will be here next week. Thanks you for being with us today. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.